Well, this is it. Calvin should be somewhere inside this old, dilapidated building. Why doesn't he live in the new Twin Geeks headquarters? Legend has it, when the Twin Geeks started, as a gimmick, they hired doubles to be their twins full-time. And after the gimmick got old, they had to get rid of them. But Calvin just couldn't bear to part with his. Alright, let's go take a look. Hey Calvin, you in here? Calvin? I have a bad feeling about this. I'm scared. <clears throat> hey guys, what's up? Oh, Calvin. Uh, we wanted to know if you wanted to guest on our podcast? Hell yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we, we heard a rumor that you actually live here because you can't bear to part with your twin. Le- legend has it. Uh, that's just a rumor. I stay here because I've been trying to sell the place for ages, but no one wants to buy it. I fix it up in my spare time. Ah, what would cause such a ridiculous rumor to spread? Well, we had Danny DeVito come look at the place once, but he just disappeared. Sometimes I could still hear him scurrying around the walls. Leave me here to die! Ah! Welcome back to another very special episode of Critically Optimistic. I'm your host, Mac. Joining me, as always, is Janko. Say hello, Janko. Hello. We have a very special guest today. We've got Calvin from the Twin Geeks podcast, who does amazing work. He's been a friend of mine and friend of the podcast for a long time. Um, Well, we're fellow dads, and uh, I heard you wanted someone who is critically negative about everything. To come on the podcast, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, we love a new take on movies, and we don't really... Lately, so with the title of the podcast, it's Critically Optimistic, and we are very optimistic about stuff. I don't know if we're as critical as we used to be, except for the Christmas <laughs> episode. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> we always do tend to be more optimistic about everything. Um, but today, we're going to do our... Uh, double feature uh, just based around Calvin's podcast. We're going to save most of our plugs for the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. That way, when you're done listening, you can go find who the Twin Geeks are and what podcasts they do because they do many. Uh, yeah, we don't want you. them going to thetwingeeks.com right now and listening to a different podcast exactly. about <laughs> Catherine Bigelow films or anything. So <laughs> yeah. I won't plug yeah. anything. Uh, but hey, we're going to talk about two movies that basically make up the title of the Twin Geeks, which is Twins and, Mm -hmm. uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Yeah. Uh, the two, uh, the two representative, uh, films for the website, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely true. (laughs) I'd like to know what David thinks about Twins, but. (laughs) Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about twins. I have a brother. Oh my goodness, are you looking good? Arnold Schwarzenegger, 
Born to be bad. And Danny DeVito. Way to go, Mom. Are twins. My name is Julius. I'm your twin brother. Obviously. The moment I sat down, I thought I was looking at... I pushed hard for this movie. I'm not sure why, in hindsight, I pushed so hard to make this one of our features. Yeah, well, so this is going to be the interesting, and I feel like the man in the middle with this is because Janko liked the movie, and you, as far as from what I've heard from you, you you don't like the movie. Not too much, but uh, (laughs) I'll be curious why Janko likes it so much. Yeah, no, um, no, like uh, going into this, I thought I would not enjoy it as much, but it turned out to be a lot more wholesome than I thought it would be would be. Uh, the only thing I remember about Twins is that I I watched it what I watched it sometime um, on the, on the, on cable television like many years ago, and not having remembered much about it, uh, I actually had a lot. I had a very good time with it, m- more so than I thought I would. <laughs> I mean, we should probably go over what Twins is about, just in case no one actually knows what it is. And if you don't know what it is. It's kind of hard to believe because the movie poster makes it very iconic. And I mean, I can remember that movie poster no matter what, because you always saw it in video stores. I feel like this is a video store staple uh, film that you would always see on the shelf. It's such a mimetic and uh, generic idea of like what twins could be like in a movie. I mean, it's it's inherently funny just looking at. Uh, Schwarzenegger next to DeVito leaned against each other. That's a, yeah. <laughs> a clear image of, like, that's a clear log line already. Like, you don't have to explain the movie. You see twins and you see them and uh, self-explanatory what, what might happen then. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, backstory is only like five minutes in this movie and out yeah. the window that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a very flimsy premise. Yeah. yeah, the longer I stare at the poster, the more bizarre it becomes because the stare uh, the the leaning looks almost photoshopped like yeah. danny devito <laughs> was leaning against the wall and they're like ah screw the wall just put it on arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> arnold schwarzenegger is the wall uh, yeah well i mean you look at the man you like it he can hold the whole goddamn building so yeah uh well here's here's the premise of the film so jules in vincent are twins but they've been uh separated at birth because of genetic testing i suppose that's what i got from the start of the film it's uh, like a government-backed project apparently where they create like twins out of one woman and five different fathers yes because they're trying to get the best genetic uh traits from each man and then i guess mm. they're see the question i i didn't understand with the film is is any part of that uh, is any part of them actually their mother or is it just a whole like five dudes that had a baby <laughs> yeah good question because... i assume it's the mother plus five dudes right i i mean i'm just making assumptions there's someone i know about biology that's a lot of dna <laughs> it, 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 it does seem like the it does seem like the mother is just the surrogate of this project yeah that's what i thought well that's what it makes it seem like yeah um right but the rest of the movie is just arnold schwarzenegger trying to find danny devito and then once he finds danny devito they go to find their mother and 
all the sort of backstory is the fact that Danny DeVito is a piece of shit. And mm. Um, mm. he tries to hide that he's a piece of shit uh, and makes money at the same time. Oh, that's a that's a terrible way to <laughs> yeah, summarize the film. He's like but, a, I mean, he's like a scammer of some sorts, and he he uh, gets involved with loan sharks. I I assume, and uh, yeah, yeah. You quite early on, you get to know that he's not really a good person. But um, yeah, and like when he first meets Arnold, he doesn't even like he just finds a way out of his uh, situation like it he just goes along with it because it's a free free ticket out of jail basically with the twins i i'd love to know uh janko why you found it so wholesome and what like what was the takeaway because you've watched it before i've watched it before yeah. calvin did you watch it before or was this the first time no first time i pitched it without <laughs> okay. having known anything about it <laughs> Yeah, well, no. The, there the you main go. reason I found it, the, <laughs> the main reason why I found it very wholesome was because I I enjoyed Arnold Schwarzenegger very much in this role, because he's just this very naive, goodwilled person, and he's just smiling in every scene and is just happy to see, <laughs> and like he's just trying to find his brother, and I actually found that surprisingly sweet. <laughs> I won't. I won't deny that this movie actually gave me tears to my eyes at some points. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh my, that's funny because it's like I, I, I had such a medium reaction to this film. Oh, we are, we are definitely three people with three vastly different opinions. Because I, like, it was fun, but I think that's all it was to me. It was just, mm, it was fun yeah. a bit, and it wore off faster than anything else I've ever seen. I don't want to diss Danny DeVito because I love Danny DeVito, especially in his television work. But when it comes to his filmography, it could be pretty forgettable sometimes. Oh, I, I agree with that statement for sure. There are so many like, like who, like who remembers, uh, was it Danny DeVito was in uh, Look Who's Talking? Was he Did in he Look Who's Talking? Father in that? Or, or no, sorry, I, that was uh, I think that was John Travolta, uh, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> well, yeah, that sounds like John Travolta. <laughs> but uh, but there were there were many other comedies with with um, Danny DeVito that were quite forgettable. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I do agree with that statement for sure. No, and I I find Danny DeVito to be a great actor. I just think yeah. his sense of humor always limits him in his roles. He seems to pick things that he finds specifically funny. And then he forgets that half the world doesn't think uh, the things that he thinks are funny as as funny as they are. Ah, right. Yeah. I understand um, the joke of Danny DeVito that he's shorter and balder than Arnold Schwarzenegger and seems genetically impaired compared to him. Uh, I think yeah. that's the whole joke of uh, Twins. Oh, yeah. That they're yeah, but is that... Here's the question, though: Is that worthy of a movie, or is that worthy of a Saturday Night Live? <laughs> yeah, I think it's ske- I think it's a sketch, sketch. more than it's yeah. a movie, but it is uh, it is pulled out. Um, I'm fine with that. I I have a place for these uh, '80s '90s movies, which are just drawn out sketches anyway. Why not? And this is also coming off like the part of his stardom, which is interesting because it's like posts like Terminator, uh, Predator, Running Man, you know. Um, uh commando like post okay big action hero 
mm-hmm. and now we know like Arnold Schwarzenegger as an action hero, so it's fun for him just to be like a comedy foil in a, you know, part next to Danny DeVito because we already have a different context for him. Oh yeah, and 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 also to mention, it's a good it's a good sale. Like uh, like who who wouldn't watch a comedy with Arnold Schwarzenegger? So it was a safe gamble, that's for sure. I think maybe we're overselling to my ambivalence toward the movie, which is just that I just, I'm not <laughs> yeah, like a, I, I, I'm not I think like so a as well. I was actually fan. just going to okay. ask you what were the things that you did not like about the the film, Calvin? Yeah, I mean, I think just the joke is pretty inherent. Like I said on the poster, and once you get into the movie, you've kind of already seen what it's going to do. Like the actual loan shark storyline and all that, and um. Schwarzenegger coming from like the South Pacific Islands well that's like good setup I don't feel like there's a good finish on any of that I don't feel like there's a an ultimate punchline or a a moment that really brings it all together to me but uh, I mean I, I I don't hate it I like Ivan Reitman so um I yeah think he did better with it than many could yeah no I I, I agree with that um well, Jenko definitely agrees with that too. I was surprised to see who did direct this film. I guess second time around, I still didn't know. And when I looked it up, I was it, it kind of made sense after watching. I was surprised it. too because when I went on to Ivan Reitman's MDIB, I see uh, triplets in the in the lineup, which yeah. is going to be uh, it's, it has Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito, and Tracy Morgan. Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah, yeah, Tracy Morgan is a triplet of them. That that. Another joke that just sells itself. Uh, adding a black <laughs> brother in there—that's uh, I love it. It makes sense though. I oh I, I I can't remember now. Was there was there a black father, or were they all white? They were I, all white. I think they were all white. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's more fathers stuff happening here. <laughs> oh god, yeah. that's it's it's gonna be the fact that there was more fathers, or or she just had a kid. No, because it's triplets. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, inevitably, we'll all watch it. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the funny thing to me. <laughs> you have to have Cause... me back for triplets, where we do a uh, uh, movies in in threes. Next oh time. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's be... that's what I that's what I told Mac yeah. <laughs> that uh, that since we're doing twins now, we should definitely do an episode on triplets when it finally comes out. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I'd love to do that. The the thing that makes me laugh the concept of the film is the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Danny DeVito, they're all so old. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's going to be one of those movies where it's just it's targeted towards either. <laughs> people remembering off of nostalgia and old people at the same time (laughs) i like that uh also that um ivan reitman was like uh which uh franchise am i going to attach myself to and go back ghostbusters no no i'm gonna do triplets (laughs) like like he thought that was the the rational choice for himself while his son was off doing ghostbusters wouldn't it be the other way around i think his son (laughs) should be doing triplets i think ivan reitman should be on the ghostbuster project Anyway, that's my piece. <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, it's the perfect timing for him since we have all these movies coming out that are like nostalgic sequels uh, to yeah. like old movies from the nineties. So it couldn't come, it couldn't have come at a better time. Honestly, yeah, we finally hit that point where late eighties is more of a consideration than like that earlier, like mid uh, height of Reaganism. Where you know we're <laughs> we're dipping into the nineties where we're in like Kindergarten Cop, Schwarzenegger time. Oh um, right. 
We got to bring that back too, by the way. I was just going to say, which can all be franchised. Like there's Junior staring at me right in the face right now. I can see that. Yeah. That's another franchise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bring God. them all back. Bring them all back. Yep, I yeah, agree. This this time, Danny DeVito becomes pregnant. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> He'd pull that off. He'd do a great job at that. Uh, <laughs> I like that joke. Modern Danny DeVito, also different than, than the old Danny DeVito. I feel like he's realized and become like sentient and self-aware of the memes. Whereas oh, yeah. I feel yeah. like he's still building it like post-taxi, you know? Like he was yeah, already definitely. doing that good TV work, but... Uh, but the like the meme and like the purpose of Danny DeVito is being built in this movie. My name is Julius, and I'm your twin brother. Oh, obviously. The moment I sat down, I thought I was looking into a mirror. We are not identical twins. <gasps> oh no. No. Well, I wouldn't be too sure. So during scenes, Danny DeVito does a weird growling while he gives his puppy eyes. Do you remember when he gave puppy eyes to the um, his girlfriend? But oh, while while he was yeah. doing it in the restaurant, he was also growling. That threw me for a loop. <laughs> um, Arnold immediately eats and drinks junk food when he gets to America. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think he eats a hot dog, uh, like um, a pita. A pizza right right away, yeah. Yeah, a pizza mm, yeah. right away, too, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot more. Um, one that sticks to my head is, do you remember the scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger is driving for the first time and they have to go to the grocery store and they yeah. get that stunt man to do the stunt where the car is on two wheels. Oh, right. Do you guys yeah. remember that? I, I remember don't know. That scene, yeah. I don't know if either of you saw or like looked at the stunt man, but he was okay. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, how old was he when he did this? How old Around was he? 40, I think. No, he was he 40. He wasn't 40. Was he? I mean, how, how old was he when he was governor? I can't like, remember. Uh, I don't know. All, well, my point my point is to the the stuntman thing is the the guy behind the wheel was at least sixty years old. Oh. And <laughs> he was he didn't look like Arnold at all. It's really funny if you just watch that scene back again. I wish we kind of did a video podcast at this moment, but I would I would play it. You'd see it's just this old man who's really freaking good at driving. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I honestly didn't notice that. It must have been. Uh, it must have passed quite quickly then. He was uh, 40 years old in Twins. Okay. I'm 40 years right. old. Oh, thank you, Calvin. I don't I don't think any of us were looking it up except for Calvin, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Who did the music for this movie? It was quite forgettable, but I I didn't take a note of who the composer was. You think you thought it was forgettable? I I like thought the music it added, was pretty I thought it added to the comedy. See, that's I I specifically mm. wanted to talk about the music because um, it's goofy. Like, it's so goddamn goofy. Oh, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. It fits well with the, the movie and it fits well with the scenes, but it's not like a soundtrack that I would like remember <laughs> so after watching it. The composer was Georges Delarue. Um, he did Platoon. He did oh. uh, Shoot the Piano Player. He did Hiroshima Mon Amour and uh, Contempt. Okay. What a lineup with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had this situation before, didn't we, Janko, on the previous episode where it was a compose oh what what was it? No, it was the it was the editor oh. for Police Academy. 
who you could tell he specifically <laughs> didn't edit comedies. And then we looked it up and we found that he only edited like big Hollywood blockbuster action films. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So this is the same case because like the it, you could tell this guy the movies or the music's not specifically good, but it's like no. they came to him and they said, "We need uh, music for this comedy. Can you com- mm. compose it?" And he's like, "I I don't know what I'm doing here." So he just literally bashed like it, it's almost like uh, music you'd hear in an old Western bar, you know? Ah, yeah. Hmm. It's just high tempoed, really fast piano playing, and that that's all you hear every time Danny DeVito or um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is doing something funny. It just it's the same thing. It comes on all the time. Oh, I'm yeah. definitely going to play a clip of that now because I feel like I'm crazy. So <laughs> I'll, I'll put that in here. <laughs> And you also have Yakety Yak from the Two Life Crew. Oh, yes. Music I drop. hated that version of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, when I wrote down the notes for this, like, really? A, a remix of Yakety Yak <laughs> that just loops the, <laughs> loops the lyrics? <laughs> Two Life Crew are important for other reasons, I think, but uh, not their Yakety Yak. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Take out the papers and the trash. Or you don't get no spending cash. If you don't scrap that kitchen floor, you ain't gonna rock and roll no more. Yakety yak. Don't talk back. But oh, just a funny um, tidbit about that scene where Arnold's singing Yakety Yak. I was reading on the trivia and. Apparently, Clint Eastwood visited the set while what? he was Why? doing the yakety yak scene, and he complimented to Arnold that, "Wow, that's fine, good acting." <laughs> <laughs> that's the best thing you could have it's ever a, looked up. <laughs> it's a lot like the the Clint Eastwood um, monkey movies, "Every Which Way But Loose" and uh, "Any Which Way You Can." Um, oh, it has right. a lot in common with these. But, uh, yeah, mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, it, just, <laughs> it goes goes to show that two uh, well-known actors who never done comedy in their lives—that's uh, what you'd expect to hear from another actor who's never seen comedy. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. "Good job." You wonder if it was the first joke uh, Clint Eastwood had heard, but also that Arnold Schwarzenegger had ever performed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe he just liked the song and they they couldn't stop him from singing it on set. Oh, probably. So like, Please just put it in the film. It's so much easier. It was Clint Eastwood's idea. He brought him the song. He's like, yeah. uh, Arnold, I've been listening to this Yakety Yak by the Two Life Crew, this uh, band of hip-hop group from California. Maybe you should put this in your movie. There's actually another topic I wanted to bring up before we close off on uh, talking about yeah, the th- twins. Ahead. Sorry. I'm, God, I'm laughing so hard. I'm actually uh, getting lightheaded. <laughs> the film's kind of horny. Like not in a oh. not in a sexist way, but it's it's horny. Like um, it's funny to have uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger be the virgin because it's mm. obviously it one of those things that's <laughs> not expected. But when you add that element in, and then you have Danny DeVito who just likes to do things are sexual sexually uh, mm, motivated, right. you know. Um, it made for this film, which should be a 
touching, heartfelt family comedy to me. Really sexual. Oh, Expe- yeah. Certain- oh, especially in the hotel scene. Goddamn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there certainly yeah, is a lot of cleavage in this movie. <laughs> cut the tension. There's, there's also a... I mean, it's, I don't think it's that sexist because in some way Arnold Schwarzenegger, again, is the object of affection for the camera. Like, it is like an inverse male gaze in that way, at least. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I, so. I think the only reason I wrote down sexist at all is because I could see someone make the argument that there's a bit of a sexist um, old old age with the film. But I, mm-hmm. I don't really see that at all. It's just them trying to play into the fact that it's like, well, it's funny that he's twins with Danny DeVito. Oh, it's also funny if he's a virgin because look at him. So And he's desired by the woman in the hotel room. She's like trying to get it on on the floor and, you know, like trying to... <laughs> the position she's trying in to bring when him she's trying the to... Bed, yeah. When she's getting into bed, the the way she's got her body contorted is it's yeah, super yeah. funny. Um, I mean, we're coming we're coming close to being done. I, I the twins song at the end of the movie. Do you guys want to mention anything about that? I don't even know who wrote it, but all I know no. is that the the chorus and all the words are just twins, and that's it. Right? Yeah. Uh, that would be uh, Philip Bailey that, but... and uh, Little Richard are, are singing that one. Mm. <laughs> Did uh, should we do trivia? Do you still have some trivia left for us, uh, Janko? I still have some trivia, but um, I would like to. Uh, I would like, or um, are we doing our final verdicts now, or oh, should, look, should we, we could, save that? We could do some trivia. All right. Well, well, some trivia I found that I thought was quite interesting is that um, apparently this this movie was on a deadline and they needed to decide really quickly. So, uh, so Ivan Reitman made a deal with Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito on a napkin. He wrote the deal on a napkin and that's how they, they signed it. Okay. And another interesting thing I found was at the time, uh, there were two movies, uh, this, um, this, uh, studio was making one was, uh, one was twins, obviously, and the other one was Suburban Commando. And I think Arnold and Danny, they, they could choose which movie they wanted to be in. If they had chosen Suburban Commando, then Hulk Hogan and uh, Christopher Lloyd would have played in Twins. <laughs> and I find that I, very funny. <laughs> I just yeah. saw Sano with Muscles, a uh, seminal uh, Hulk Hogan joint, um, where oh. he plays Santa Claus, but he's buff. That's the whole movie. Oh, right. <laughs> Oh god, that yeah, this movie would have faded into oblivion if it was played by Hulk Hogan. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't think the, I would have liked liked him as much as if it was with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> on the IMDb trivia page, it says Arnold Schwarzenegger went on to record on record to state that this film was the best decision he ever made. Oh, I mean, I, I I believe that because after because he started getting more comedy scripts after this, and that's, that's what he always wanted. So I mean, after and, this, he did uh, like Kindergarten Cop and Junior. And, I was just uh, I was just gonna say, in fairness, it was all from the same directors. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> maybe actors shouldn't get to do what they want. Maybe like the tension of Arnold Schwarzenegger wanting to be a comedy guy and having to do like this tough guy. Uh, you know, like out of this world. He he's always like these characters that are from like a different time or space or you know, like this alien mm. idea of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Where'd he come from? He doesn't seem that American, you know. It's <laughs> it's just interesting what, what Hollywood did with him. 
And maybe it's interesting, more interesting, if he's like the Terminator, and you know, it, there's a little bit of comedy there. But uh, oh yeah, absolutely. He, like his well, lines he, are funny. Yeah, he did. He did do a lot of um, comedy after this, and that that's for sure. But you have to question though if he never got the comedy roles would all of his action roles just have a whole bunch of pent-up comedy inside of him that's, <laughs> that's what i want <laughs> noticeable <laughs> like uh he's giving his performance in predator and he's <laughs> he's just making a like witty joke after every single gunshot yeah <laughs> um but yeah okay well let's oh do you have do you have another one uh, I have another one uh, that I found and originally this movie was supposed to be called The Experiment but for obvious reasons they um, decided to go with twins instead uh, because okay. of Arnold being Austrian and mm-hmm. I assume it's because of um, it's either because of Nazis or uh, or um, some something else regarded to that. I wonder if it was also due to the fact that if it was called the experiment, it would be very hard to tell what the film's about just at a glance. Mm. Oh yeah, no, for sure. With, with a title like Twins, you know what you're getting into. Yeah, exactly. It's just a better uh, streamlined title. But mm. uh, by the way, I'm uh, I've been looking for a Born to Be Bad shirt. So if anyone has a tip on <laughs> on where to find one, like in the film, yeah, I'll keep my eyes out. <laughs> Thank you. Just look at gas stations. That's where he got his. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he does say I get back uh, once in this movie. He does. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, ratings. Yeah. Uh, let's start with Calvin. You're the guest. What, what do you want to give it? So we just give our five-star ratings here, and uh, we just talk about why we're specifically giving it that. I'm giving it to Danny DeVito's out of five Arnold Schwarzeneggers. Um, <laughs> confusing scale but it'll have to work uh I like because that. i like things about it i like the i like the premise and the easy logline and the uh accessibility of it the ivan reitman of it all i guess i like danny devito and schwarzenegger i don't know if it uh goes anywhere for me um there are elements that seem like it could be a good movie or or you could explore like the the weirdness of coming to america better as a movie called coming to america has <laughs> there's other things you could do that are a little more interesting to me but but it almost gets there. Um, Jaco, what what do you want to give Twins your new favorite five star movie? Oh no, thankfully not. But this will come <laughs> as a surprise for you, I think. I, I I give it three and a half stars, and um, the reason being, as I said earlier, I thought it was a very sweet movie, um, and uh, I thought it was a very fun comedy that doesn't rely too much on cheese or being too over the top, and. Um, and I also thought the chemistry between DeVito and Arnold worked quite well together, thankfully. And, uh, and yeah, I just got a very wholesome feeling out of it. Uh, and the backstory was something I, I didn't enjoy with the movie, so I'm very glad that it didn't take too much space in this movie. And, the happiest uh, I've been all day is hearing that this movie made you cry. Also, yeah, no, I, <laughs> like it was the brotherly bonding parts that just made me. Oh, this is sweet. <laughs> beautiful. It's well, a beautiful sentiment. I'm gonna stick with my man in the middle uh, score, which you know I'm actually quite torn because I I don't know if I want to go two and a half or just give it the full three, mm-hmm. but because it's such a unique concept that will never 
Uh, I was literally going to say we'll never see again, and then I remember that Chipless is coming out. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I'll I'll give it a three. I liked it. it oh, nice. it was all right. I'll, I'll give it the three. It, it deserves. It deserves Calvin. It deserves three. <laughs> um, Not getting it from me. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I have to build up. I have to leave space for triplets to get the three. That's true. <laughs> I really hope that you give that a four. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was right, just well, reading got... that they uh, they wanted Eddie Murphy originally. They originally wanted That's to make right. uh, triplets with Eddie Murphy, which is a interesting note. I think triplets was actually in the talk for many years because uh, I I can remember like at least five years ago that this was in the talks who do you think was behind that trigger though do you think this is a lot of arnold schwarzenegger wanting to do it again i'm not entirely sure but i think i've read somewhere that that he he really wanted it to do it and he and he and he um uh, what's the word um hinted to devito and um that yeah we should go with this Uh, we should we should do it but i i that's not completely verbatim so i might be wrong there but i i I believe i've read something about that well they better they better do it before they get too old to play the roles but yeah yeah. (laughs) Um, i mean if they're having fun with it i don't see anything wrong with that no not at all but yeah so that was uh twins let's get to the peak part of this episode which is uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, the Laura Palmer story, if you will. Your Laura disappeared. It's just me now. You made me write it all down. Don't do that. She doesn't like that. How do you know what she likes? Have we Have seen, you guys tw- seen Twin Peaks? No, the only thing I remember is a couple of episodes from season one, but I've never seen it seen it in its entirety. Yeah, I've never finished Twin Peaks, um, just because actually I can't give a good reason. Like I was liking it, I just mm. fell off of it because probably life. Uh, but well, I can tell you this: fall off. Uh, how far do you get into it? Well, that's the thing. I wa- I know I've watched enough for the movie to make sense to me, so I okay. must have seen almost all of it. I think as long as you see the first season, you'll know basically enough to get in. And then the second season, of course, is like CBS, like trying to manipulate the show and uh, mm. move David Lynch towards like defining a, a killer, which he ends up doing and uh, kind of plays into what happens here. But uh, this really is a bookend and what the show could have been, I think, um, which is I think this is the height of all of Twin Peaks and uh, one of my favorite movies from Lynch for sure. Yeah, so now we're going to get uh, drastically different opinions again because Django did not like the movie and Calvin, you oh, love uh, the movie. Okay. <laughs> so um, I'm curious to hear that, but we'll get to that in a second. I'm, for once, usually within our episodes, we always explain a little bit of what the movie's about. If you haven't seen this movie, go watch it um, and watch the TV show because I'm not going to explain this. It's not it's not easy to explain and I feel like I'm not the right person to do it. So we're just gonna talk about the movie. And there's yeah, probably that's... a lot to talk about with this movie. I for one, I, I did like it. Like I like this movie quite a bit, and uh I think it made the whole series a lot better in my mind. And I have to wonder though, did 
or would I feel the same way if I didn't watch the show like uh, Jenko? Uh, yeah. Um, like if you haven't seen the show and you're going to this, nothing makes any sense. And I don't, I don't remember too much of what I watched where I could was able to connect the dots. And I just had a very rough time with it, and it took me. It felt way too long to get through it. Honestly, it's a, it's uh, another thing too. If it was made by anyone else, like it's a tough thing. But the mm-hmm. fact that it's made by David Lynch, ready, it's like, a goddamn, <laughs> you're not gonna follow oh, yeah. like a, a single thing. But uh, what, do you, what do you think, Calvin, uh, between like people just watching the movie and people um, jumping on from the show and then into the movie? I think it's hilarious not to watch the show and then watch the movie because I think the movie is a deconstruction of everything this show did. So I mean, I think it's very yeah. literally um, deconstructing all the images and pulling apart what TV could be in and what David Lynch and Frost did when they were creating the show. Um, well, that's so why I, th- I think it's appropriately, it should be appropriately titled the Laura Palmer story because it's, it's mm. the missing link, right? From the whole TV show. If there was like, if this, if this was made by someone else and it was a modern version, the TV show would have episodes where it was the modern day. And then you probably get another episode where it was from Laura's perspective. And then, you know, but instead, with uh, David Lynch's um, masterpiece of a show, you're, you're only getting that through the movie. Which did he want to do this movie? Like, what was his reasoning for that? Does anyone know? I'm pretty sure he wanted to do this one at least. I know that I know the second season became a hassle, and this was kind of a way for him to uh, sort of make amends with what he uh, already had created. I know even at Cannes, it premiered horribly. Like it was. It was horribly received by critics, but has become a critical darling and uh, especially well-received by the fandom and the, the Twin Peaks community, but also is a pretty formidable uh, psychological horror movie about like a, a young girl and hedonism and um, how hedonism kind of leads her to grisly fate while uh, um, this whole detective story is going on with disappearing people and I mean, it's just pretty fascinating as some of my favorite scenes, some of the stuff like in the bar rooms and the, the red, uh, the red room also, uh, yeah, the, the, the bit about the fire walk with me while they're just laying on the couch and talking about if you go into space, you're just falling faster and faster. Love that stuff. When you, when you say it like that, it, it does make a lot more sense. Um, uh, just, uh, shame that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't noticed the same things um but i i was curious about one thing um about the the red room uh, scenes like is there any meaning behind uh, the backwards speech or is it just completely gibberish and it's supposed to be gibberish because because it's uh, very in- experimental i don't I... it's one of those things where if you even ask David Lynch to explain it, he would reject the idea that it it should be explained. I guess. Right? Oh, like so it's, it's kind of like David Chase with Sopranos, where, uh, yeah, sure that happened, but it's oh, to your own uh, imagination. I think everything in Twin Peaks, especially, is why it inspires such a fan community. Is everything in a, the Red Room or Black Lodge? It's kind of like a. I think it's just like a david lynchism right like uh all of his oh, characters yeah. talk kind of funny there's a uh, the whole thing at the beginning where they're kind of deconstructing the david lynch talk with the dancer mm-hmm. is a um was it my 
my mom's sister's girl or something. That's a, oh, um, my mom's sister's cousin. Something. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I know what you're talking about. That as soon as that came on the screen, I was like, yeah, this is David Lynch for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he really goes into all of his impulses and doesn't seem to have any kind of network pushback for once. I think this okay. and the return are the most unhinged, just pure David Lynch products there are. Hmm. I will. Because, I will. F- oh, go on, Jenko. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say that. So because this is uh, compiled of deleted scenes and other material, right? Um, I, I I remember that there was like a, a text quite early on before the title that uh, this was compiled of deleted scenes and other things. Um, I don't. Uh, did did you have that at the start of yours, Kelvin? No, I I didn't. No, I I didn't I, either. I don't know if that's true, actually. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> could be though. Because uh, I I definitely well, remember when I, don't, I when I saw it, that like like deleted like scenes it? from the TV show. Because if that's the case, that wouldn't be true. Because he had trouble getting some of the cast to come back for this, so that wouldn't make okay. sense. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so it was literally uh, filmed before, uh, like after Twin Peaks. Yes. Yeah. That's... Okay. Right. I see. Yeah. Because um, who's uh, Laura's best friend? That's not the same actor, or that's not the same actor from the TV shows. Right. You you get uh, some changes there, but uh. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I want to actually talk about the start of the film because I didn't know what I was getting into, uh, which is the case for basically every film I watch. I'm, I'm good at avoiding okay. spoilers. But I thought it was going to be, the whole movie I thought was going to be an alternate version of the TV show, like almost a dreamy nightmare, mm-hmm. you know? And every character was played by someone else. Uh, and the, the, the themes weren't going to be exactly the same, but the concept was almost uh, vaguely similar. And I was actually happy if the whole movie just stayed like that, honestly. Like, that that would have been David Lynch at his most, like, bizarre. But he loves to play into dreams. And I guess that's what I kind of assumed right away. Is that oh maybe maybe this is just a reimagining of the whole show maybe the way he would have wanted to do it, but then I love obviously that, I love that he breaks the television as his first image. It's like yeah. television's dead. I'm never coming back to it. It's kind of like the statement I get there. But hmm. then of course like Showtime just gives him enough room later to come back. But but that's yeah, him like say that didn't last <laughs> like the television world right like like in some way that's like breaking like the contract of the show and what we believe about the show and saying well, television's dead now, and this is a movie. Like, this is a different thing. Yeah, and he does that scene twice or three times in the the show. I can't remember now. Yeah. But I know it happens again. I think it happens... Oh, God. See, this is the problem with talking with uh, about Twin Peaks Firewalk <laughs> with me. It's, it's so much, and you can't remember what order, because that's the beauty of what David Lynch does is... You can make a movie seem like a, a dream that you had the other night, and you just can only remember bits, but it sticks with you. Yeah, you almost have to like talk around what he's doing. I mean, like the specificity mm. of it or whatever. Almost, I, I mean, it almost ruins it to explain it, right? Um, yeah, I'd like everyone to go see the movie because I think it's important in the actual like experiential layer of like living with what David Lynch has made and uh, connecting it to his other works. Jacob, have you seen? 
His other movies, at least? Uh, no. Oh, um, okay. I, I've seen very little by David Lynch. Uh, the only thing I've seen is, um, was it uh, uh, Wild at Heart with okay. Nicolas Cage? Which is probably his least Lynchian movie. So this is getting even yep. better as like <laughs> an introduction <laughs> to like a Lynchian style where I think like this maybe mm. it would be interesting for you to go back when you're at the end of like that whole journey with Lynch. And once you've seen oh, everything yeah. else one day. Oh yeah, hopefully. Like, may, like uh, I, I, lo- I like to be proven wrong with, with like first impressions I have on movies. So that might, that might absolutely be possible because I, I still have to see um, Blue Velvet. I still have to see Eraserhead. And I'm certain that if I understand what David Lynch's uh, uh, style is, uh, just like how I did with uh, Cronenberg, I might appreciate it a lot more. That I won't deny. Elephant Man's an easy one to get into because it's mm. not, it's the same with, uh, I suppose, Wild at Heart where it's, it's easy to digest. Ah, yeah. Yeah, I imagine so. Well, I um, think that there's aspects of this film that I I completely loved, uh, more so Mm -hmm. than the television show. Mm -hmm. I I can say Mm -hmm. that for certain, that I loved this more than the TV show. And if he wasn't tied to that TV show, and he made this like a movie... Um, without the TV show existing, or like two movies or something like that, I I I would have loved it. But the fact that you have this set of characters, um, and I'm just trying to think of a perspective. If I didn't watch a TV show, you could argue that it's just part of the charm where you have these characters come in and out, and you don't know anything about them. But it's one thing with uh, what what's the What's the vision that Laura has? It's uh, Bob. Is that what she calls him? Yeah, Bob. Yeah, Bob. That's that's a little confusing going into the movie if you've never seen the TV show. I I would argue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you shouldn't um, know who he is without watching the show. Yeah, exactly. Because you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't really understand like the vast fear that Laura has with him especially like when it comes up so quickly in the film she freaks out because the uh, pages of her diary are missing and she's like well it proves that Bob is real and to to anyone else you're just like who <laughs> like who's who does <laughs> yeah i i definitely like it more than the show because well for me the show's very uneven right like there's the first season which is terrific then there's second season which the first season's like a pair like it's almost like a deconstruction of what a soap opera could be and then oh. the second season is a soap opera in a way that also seems subversive because to tack that on to a show that was already subversive about a soap opera and just become that thing is a hilarious twisted way to get around what the um production company wants then i think uh all the return is brilliant, but uh, this I think is a standalone masterpiece that is also an addendum to all that. There's there's two things I want to touch on that you said there, Kelvin, which is um, one further back. But the the first thing is with the season two. So you, uh, yeah, you could tell that any reference to season two in this film is also half-assed. 
Like it, it's almost oh. David just being like, I got to <laughs> touch it. Like um, the guy who's obsessed with plants and won't leave his apartment. I'm sorry. I can't remember his name. But even that scene in the movie, it's so dull. Like and it reminds you of like how dull that portion of the show kind of was. I still love season two, but that's the point where it's like an eight out of ten. Well, everything around it for me is just straight tens. Um, mm. The the main thing about Firewalk with me that makes it so interesting is how it also connects to the return. I think like the the heightening of Firewalk with me's status is how it plays into a future for Twin Peaks that that wasn't quite here yet. But um, I think it's the essential component. I think you could just watch season one Firewalk with me and return. And get pretty much the full experience. So. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Actually, I, I, I'd almost say that's the best way to do it. Um, the I other thing I wanted to so. touch, yeah. yeah, the other thing I want to touch back on, Calvin, that you said is David Lynch, uh, especially with uh, Twin Peaks um, as a whole. It's not best to pick it apart, like you said, every scene by scene or meaning. But a lot of people who are obsessed with the show do do that. Yeah, um, it's true. <laughs> And a lot of fans. So you have to wonder, like, which are you? Do you want to be the one who's obsessing over every little meaning that David's trying to put into it? Or do you want to be, on the other hand, uh, a fan who just appreciates the artistic side of what uh, Lynch is trying to do? I guess the point is there would be, like, validity for anyone who, who does go into it and has their own take. And it would almost be like robbing them to be prescriptive about, about what the show actually meant. Um about what like the what the material of the film's actually saying because I think it is theirs to own and and I think David Lynch understands that why he doesn't do like commentaries and and explain parts of his films at all and I don't I don't feel a big interest in explaining it so much as celebrating it and uh, just uh, continuing to talk and promote Twin Peaks as a concept. Yeah, I yeah no I I see that and I. I don't want to dissect it either. I mean, there's certain things that I'd like to talk about when it comes to the film, just because of production mm-hmm. that are interesting. But no, you're you're totally right. It's more of that sort of coming back to it, which is just that dreamy state that he gives off with his films. And sometimes I think he doesn't do it well enough. And mm. people will hate me for saying it, but I don't like Mulholland Drive because I don't think he did it well enough. And I know I'll get lots of people all the time telling me that I'm crazy for saying that. But with Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, he does it perfectly in my eyes. Um, no comment about Mulholland, but I agree. <laughs> yeah, I know. No one agrees with me on that. It's I don't know. We're not talking about that movie, so it doesn't really matter. Um, what did you not like about the the film, Janko? Uh, quite a lot of things. Um uh, like uh, seeing as I have zero connection to um, to Twin Peaks the TV show, um, I uh, I just had to look at it um, subjectively as a movie. Uh, so when you take all the Twin Peakish things away, uh, to me it just became a very confusing movie. Uh, lots of characters I didn't feel particularly invested to. And just cuts that were very jarring. And, yeah, I could, uh, I could, I was just gonna say I could see the yeah. how the abundance of characters would throw off anyone who isn't um, invested in the show. I think that's regardless mm-hmm. of what anyone says, that is definitely one thing that you you need the show in order to because there, there's a lot of people in the show um, 
Granted, mm-hmm. some of them only get a little bit of screen time, but there's a connection between the characters that seems to be missing unless you had that previous knowledge. So I can oh, get that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm certain if I if I watch watch Twin Peaks and this all over again, it might change for me. But it's yeah, it's just too many characters in one one and a half hour movie, uh, which just doesn't feel right to me for some reason. And there were some things I noted that I did like. Um, uh, I, I do like the ambience and the mindfuckery scenes. Mm-hmm. And and I also, uh, I noticed that there were quite a lot of, many characters in the background just doing stuff without any importance to the scene. And I, I love scenes that are constructed that way, where you just, like in the diner, for instance, um, <clears throat> where it just, the camera centers on the, the clerk but in the background, you see like the, the 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 cook is standing in the window there, and the the woman with her bloody nose, and she's sitting in one of the cubicles. And I I just love scenery like that, and that that was quite enjoyable with this movie. And I I give um, what's the word I I give respect where it's due. I I I just got very annoyed by many of the characters. They all had annoying quirks that really didn't needed to be there. Uh, like that that stupid Norwegian scene. Hygle uh, dem, jeg heter Laura Palmer, and I just thought that was <laughs> just just not it was just not necessary at all. Um, I just had a very rough time with it, honestly. So one thing I I saw when I was um, looking up stuff about this film is all the references to angels in the film, mm-hmm. which is apparent, uh, especially at the end. He never wrote it into the script, hmm. which seems like a very David Lynch thing to do, <laughs> yeah. considering that it, it's almost—it's kind of a little bit of a, not a big thing of the movie, but it, it's enough to warrant. Like there was scenes where she's looking at the fo- uh, the photo that's hanging above her desk, uh, a good handful of times, and the fact that he just wanted to put that into the movie is interesting to me, to say the least. All of his choices is pretty interesting in this movie, uh, good or bad, and and I don't mind if they're divisive either. That really interests me that that Jinko didn't connect with it and hadn't seen the other stuff. Mm. But uh, I mean, I'm not saying it would be a sure thing either if you watched the other stuff, which is a lot like this. Um, yeah. Oh, true. Uh, that, but, uh, that make, that's fair. The uh, divisiveness I... also is what fuels my interest. Uh, mm. Well, let's go with uh, ratings, even <laughs> even though we just went and mm. said uh, exactly <laughs> how this movie is more of <laughs> just an experience. Let's uh, let's dissect that experience and give it a solid score. All right. Well, um, you might... can go first, Janko, because I'm, yeah. I'm curious to hear what you give this it. Might, you, you... Might come as a, this might come as a surprise, but I'm giving it one and a half star. Oh, wow. Stars. <laughs> Man, that's way lower um, because, than I thought, actually. Because subjectively, as a movie, um, I got nothing out of value from it. And during the third act, I just got completely bored with it. Okay. And is, is this three lower than uh, Ivan Reitman's Twins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, that's especially without having David Lynch experience. I almost wonder if that's just the initial David Lynch feeling. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'd have a different feeling with Mulholland Drive because that was my first Lynch film. Okay, yeah. 
you kind of get what I'm saying there? Like, I'm not saying that that Absolutely. is like every person has to hate the first David Lynch thing they watch, but I wonder mm-hmm. if that's just a little bit of a common trope, you know? It, it, it I, I, I think it might. Uh, it's just so because... different that you're just like, I don't yeah. know how, I, I don't have a palate for this, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know how to digest this properly. Whereas every other movie I've been taught to like, well, this is what I, I specifically like, and this is what I don't like. And mm-hmm. then you get to David Lynch and you're like, what <laughs> you know you're just like what? yeah what <laughs> like the, the only like placement you can find is like the films of like boone well like the uh more experimental surrealist filmmakers and more like surreal paintings and art mm. um more than like a grounding in actual uh filmmaking i mean you could see some in like the films of film noir and uh oh yeah some of the like german expressionism and uh, mm-hmm. uh stuff from other countries but there's not a lot of actual like filmic grounding and uh, and connection to other work. I'd say, uh, yeah, a lot of it's inspired from the art world and painting, and um, oh yeah, that makes it kind of captivating and different for me. I'd I can argue quite, quite clearly tell that. Yeah, sure. and I'd I'd argue as well too that on on a scale of like someone who's just seen David Lynch for the first time, you look at all of his films, maybe except for a razor head never mind that mm-hmm. but you look at all of his films they look like grounded films on mm-hmm. on the surface and maybe that i'm i'm trying to make the point that that is the difference between that and the earlier experimental films that he draws inspiration from is at a glance and at looking at them you can you have a very deep understanding of like this is the route i'm going whereas david lynch mm-hmm. he, he's very good at making reality seem well, how many times am I going to say it? it seemed like a dream, like you you're not supposed to be having. Yeah. Um. Oh, so uh, sorry, Calvin. What uh, what do you give it? Uh, five out of five. Uh, pretty clearly, one of my favorite movies. I'm gonna nice. go with. This <sighs> is hard, actually. I'm. I I think personally, because I actually do enjoy the movie quite a lot. Um, and it's, it's the right amount of David Lynch. I'll, I'll give it a four and a half. Nice. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's a, it's a good film and I'm, I'm glad I got to watch it. And I, I, I actually love the fact that Janko didn't like it. <laughs> I enjoyed that too, by the way. He was here. But where did he go? And where is Chester Desmond? I could, I could eat. Exciting here. Where we're, <laughs> we're trying to figure out if Jojo even saw the right movie. What? Because <laughs> like uh, I just told him how long Twin uh, the Fire Walk with Me is. It's um, two hours and fifteen minutes, and he said the version he saw was only an hour and a half. That might be like the lost pieces or like deleted scenes from Twin Peaks that he saw. <laughs> I wonder if that's what it was, is you just saw deleted scenes. Oh, my that, God. <laughs> that would be so crazy. The Missing Pieces? That's an hour 30 minutes. You might have just seen The Missing Pieces. <laughs> that's so good. That's an even better result. It all makes sense now, though. Don't keep that in. <laughs> We gotta explain it, right? <laughs> and we've got to, yeah, because that it doesn't make you can't have a rating without it. 
Well, that's, I mean, you rated the missing pieces. That's, that's great for me. Best possible result. That is. Oh my God. Let's, uh, okay. We'll start back up here. Um, we, we took a short break, uh, cause we had to do a couple things. Uh, each of us, I had to pee and Calvin had to take a meeting. Um, and while we were waiting for Calvin to come back, we, uh, Janko and I were talking and we, I was trying to figure out, cause there was confusion earlier about what, um, Janko saw in Fire Walk With Me, because some of the scenes he was describing, I, I couldn't remember. Um, and so I explained my runtime, which was two hours and 15 minutes. And Janko said, well, his was only an hour and a half. And I was like, well, that's, that's almost fantastic. That's almost 40 minutes missing. So what could have happened? Well, we figured out that apparently uh, Janko, unfortunately, didn't watch uh, Fire Walk With Me. Instead, he watched uh, The Missing Pieces, which explains the little uh, title card telling uh, everybody that this is a com- compilation of <laughs> deleted scenes. So through that no really fault of his own... Off, by the way. <laughs> through no, no fault of his own because he hasn't seen the show, how, how, how would he know? So um, <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm sorry, Janko. Um, <laughs> it's okay that's completely on me <laughs> what must you think so, of twin peaks though like you thought this was like a complete movie by david lynch and it was just random <laughs> that scenes. must have been that must have been yeah. so confusing from this oh movie that do- already doesn't make sense to the average viewer <laughs> you just got bits and pieces of like the most ethereal strangest movie ever made that's great <laughs> i um so, okay, this is what we're going to do is we're going to follow up with this. I'm going to get Janko to watch Fire Walk with me. We're not going to do a whole other episode with it, but we're going to get his score on it one way or another because okay. <laughs> <and I'll, laughs> um, now when you go to rate the missing pieces, you can give it one and a half. I think that's what you said, eh, Janko? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's do that. And then, uh, yeah, um, so that that was Calvin and I reviewing Firewalk with me and Janko reviewing <laughs> Twin Peaks, the missing pieces. Does it change the context at all for you to know that it was just deleted scenes from a thing you haven't seen? Uh <laughs> I I honestly don't know. <laughs> I feel like this is a David Lynch film within itself. Janko's experiencing uh, it in I real mean, life. It, it... <laughs> It should just be the same thing, right? Like, <laughs> I feel like this is what David Lynch would want, so I think yeah. he did the right thing. So you know what made me question this, Calvin? Uh, I asked Janko, I said, what did you think of the Red Lady? And he said, "Oh, what Red Lady? And I was like, there's no way that the version he watched had that out of the film. And I, so that made me go, "What? There, there's got to be something wrong here. But yeah. that that was a crazy um, ass ride for me. I'm sorry. I, I I'm sorry, yeah, Janko, no, if this is a little embarrassing for you, and you shouldn't feel embarrassed. Honestly, this no. is just great. I, I absolutely. I'm just delighted this. by this. So, uh. No, but like I um I mentioned like uh, a scene earlier where they're speaking Norwegian, uh, like the Laura Palmers, and now I realize that it does make <laughs> it makes zero sense to you guys. <laughs> I was wondering so I what just, that was. Uh, yeah, so I just out of the blue just spoke a Norwegian phrase thinking you would understand what I was referring to. Well, before before we move on, what did they say in Norwegian? Because you said they it. were just 
because they were talking about there's a there's a Norwegian uh, person coming moving in, so we should and we should include them. So uh, the Daddy Palmer, he's like he's reciting uh, how he introduces himself in Norwegian. So he says, "Hugli uh, møte dem, jeg heter blah blah Palmer," and then the and then Laura and his her mother try saying the same thing, and <laughs> they just butcher it, I guess. Yeah, it's just very butchered uh, Norwegian. But, I, uh, I can see why that's a deleted scene. Yeah, <laughs> you thought this was a whole movie. <laughs> that would have Amazing. been so confusing. Oh my god! All right, well, let's go on with the rest of it. Um, so we're going to talk about um some new uh show schedulings. So. Uh, Janko and I have decided that we want to keep up the show more than just a month. So what we're going to start doing, uh, hopefully other people are excited, is that we're going to introduce a new uh, show that's going to run along the same podcast that we host. And uh, it's just going to be either one or two things. It's going to be us talking about a new film uh, that's currently in theaters or has just been in theaters. And the other show is going to be... um, Just random topics topics related to movies? Related to movies, yeah. Um, And the title is just Critically Optimistic's um, Impressions. And that's for when we talk about uh, new films. And then the other one is going to be Critically Optimistic's Opinions, uh, when we talk about a certain topic in film. Um, That show should be shorter than our normal show, but at least we can do a bi-weekly schedule. That's fun. I'm super excited for that. Yeah. And uh, we usually do news. We kind of skip that. Um, I'd like to do really quickly uh, that, if you don't mind, Calvin, before you take off here. I got time. Uh, Yeah. Is there anything that you saw uh, recently that you want to talk about? I know there's certain things that you can't, but, you know. That I saw that I want to talk about. Uh, Should we talk about Sundance? Uh, Did you you go to? There was no Sundance. There was a virtual Sundance. Oh, I didn't know that. Sundance. So I've been watching all the Sundance movies the last couple of weeks. I could talk quickly about what I what I saw there. Sure. Uh, yeah. What's yeah, your favorite cool. thing that you saw? My favorite thing is a very strange Chilean movie. Uh, following my uh, template of the last couple of years where I just celebrate a cinema about cows. Uh, the Cow Who Sang a Song Into the Future by uh, Francisca <laughs> Algeria. Oh. I'll have to check um, it out. I, I recently just saw the... Um, uh, the worst person in the world. I wrote a review for it on my letterbox. I quite, I quite enjoyed that film. That was really good. You, you liked it more than me. That showed at Sundance as well. So that was also shown alongside all this stuff. You liked yeah, that a lot I, more than I did. I, I did. I just, I don't know if you read my review, but it, I felt like it's a movie you can come back to as you get older, and there's going to be something else that you're, you're gonna feel stronger about within the context mm-hmm. of the film. Um, and they did a really good job at pushing that, pushing that out to its audience. And, uh, it didn't, cause I, with the title of the worst person in the world, you assume you're going to be hating someone, but you, you don't. And it, it becomes quite apparent that it's just a feeling, uh, that a lot of us experience. And I, I got that really well with the, with the film. And also I thought it was really well done, uh, overall. Interesting. So. Mm. And, uh, that's uh welcome trier, but, uh, the original title I think is like 12, 12- Chapters in the Life of Julie, which I think makes a little more sense for the movie. Yeah, it does. Um, I, I would argue that within, because they, they still have it within the movie, um, it works there too. 
Uh, what about you, Janko? Is there any any film that you want to talk about? Uh, well, recently I've been on um, on a very early Al Pacino binge, uh, so I've gone ahead and uh, watched a couple of the movies he did in the seventies that I've never seen before, and two of them being uh, uh, Panic in the Needle Park and uh, Scarecrow, which I both thought were uh, were brilliant and um, and just. Uh, it's just nice to go back to certain actors and appreciate how they started out and it's it just amazes me how like just within five years al pacino played in like uh, panicky needle park godfather uh scarecrow godfather 2 and then dog day afternoon and serpico yeah he's a busy ass uh, man yeah that's a great start of a career but uh scarecrow is definitely a movie i I want to recommend to everyone. It's just um, Al Pacino and uh, Hackman. Uh, they they're two drifters and they become friends and they have this big dream of opening up a car wash in uh, Philadelphia and um, uh, Pittsburgh. My bad. And uh, yeah, it's just two two unlikely friends who are just bonding and it's a uh, fun like like trekking road road trip movie um okay and yeah it's like a real true to life movie that just sits sits really well if if i'm being honest a road trip with al pacino sounds like the worst road trip in the world what also makes that movie good is that al pacino is like the um, like the very optimistic sarcastic uh witty uh guy while Hackman is like the more serious, more realistic one and just the more un- untrusting person. And together they somehow complete each other. And uh, that's just, uh, yeah, it's a good, good, good written movie and a good, good story it's trying to tell. Okay. I'll have to check it out. I haven't seen that one. So, um, but I, I want to say a personal thank you, Calvin, for uh, making this work. We, we loved having you on the show. Um, it was Great, and hopefully, hopefully we could do it again. Uh, maybe when the triplets comes out, <laughs> I'd love to. We don't have yeah. to wait in case that isn't a real film. I feel like that uh, might not actually happen, <laughs> but uh, if it does, happy to be here for that too. Uh, that's great. Um, no, take the time. Uh, tell the audience where to go to find more of you because they should. Like yes. the Twin Peaks, I'm based in Washington. I was raised around the uh, Twin Peaks area of North Bend and Sammamish, so. Uh, that's kind of in my DNA, so we named our website The Twin Geeks. Um, we write about uh, movies, mostly. We write a lot. We do several podcasts. have one called The Twin Geeks. Um, Ranking the Monsters is another one where we rank all the kaiju films in existence. That will never get old. We have, uh, what else do we have? Uh, I'm thinking of Spoiling Things, a show about new movies. And we have Daydream Cast, which is coming back very shortly about video games. And okay. three letters, five mics is our show about uh, music, uh, rap music. Nice. That's a good. Uh, that's a good one. I know I'm probably one of your avid listeners for the Spotify music one. I, I, I appreciate that one it. But yeah, well, I listen to all of it, so I just, it doesn't really matter which one I listen to. I, I 
I'm always there. So, um, yeah. And then if you want to hear more from us, uh, we're on our Twitter, um, critically optimistic, easy to find. Cause I think it's one us and one other person who's got a title like that. You can tell which one's us, but, uh, that's it for this episode. Uh, thanks again, Calvin. We'll catch you all later. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.